0: The presidential motorcade was just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots
1: suddenly rang out
2: Destroying the media lives and dismantling the narratives One story at a time It's the Adrian Slate Show
1: the next pandemic is here. Yes, we got a new one. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Monkeypox. Monkeypox is on the way. I've seen pictures of people's hands that are swollen up. It's pretty crazy. But there's only a couple instances found. I think they've found some up in New York. Um, can't remember. There was another state that it showed up in. Um, yeah, monkeypox is here. Now we haven't heard anything from Anthony Fauci. Lord Fauci hasn't spoken. Um, we haven't heard anything from Dr. Birx. Um, She's busy bedazzling the next face shield for the monkeypox outbreak. Uh, nothing from the World Health Organization and uh, Tetro and all those guys. Although they are trying to steal our sovereignty. Maybe we can get into that in a little bit. But here's an interesting clip. I want you to listen to this clip. I think it might be Sky News in, uh, in Australia or England. I can't remember which... Uh, which outlet, but it's really interesting when you hear about who was involved in the monkeypox uh, conference a little while back, about a year ago. Political commentator Calvin Robinson, monkeypox, what
2: next? Oh, I'm cautious about this one. <laughs> uh, me too. Um, global leaders met last year to plan for a response to a monkeypox pandemic. Did they? Yep. Did uh, they oh, really? They did. Bill Gates has been talking about the no. next pandemic being monkeypox or smallpox. I understand there are very small differences between smallpox, monkeypox and chickenpox in, in the uh, reactions that people get. So would you be able to tell the difference? You're between, not pulling my chain on that, are you? Not at all.
0: You're not um, a Bill Gates microchip.
2: No, not, know, no, no I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but I'm, I'm seeing these things, uh, these conversations being had over the last year or two. And now all of a sudden we have cases of monkeypox popping up. And the, the numbers, of course, are very small. More people die from inanimate objects every year in this country than from something like monkeypox, even with the, the current case numbers. So I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. But the media response to it and the government response to it are things to be concerned about.
0: In what sense are they things to be concerned about? Because, because sure, there are a few cases that have been detected. We we have to trust that that is absolutely true. Um, it does seem to be spreading in some way, shape or form because people don't have a context of knowing each other always. People have contracted it and the government's saying, well, look, it isn't that problematic. But if you have been in touch with someone with it, there's a vaccine that already exists. Thanks well, that's
2: convenient, isn't it? Thanks Edward Jenner. Oh, who's going to be making money from that vaccine, I'd like to know. What I don't want to see is any more lockdowns. I don't want to see any more civil liberties taken away for something like this, especially if it's just a rush. I don't want to see more project fear from the government or the mainstream media scaring people to death over something that isn't that serious. And I don't want to see these vaccines being pushed down our throats if they're not necessary. So if people are vulnerable and need a vaccine, absolutely great, but don't shove it down the general populace to make money.
0: Calvin, thank you very much. Strident stuff there. <laughs> some, some enlightening things you just told me.
1: What? Bill Gates? That's a shocker. That guy is into everything. He's buying up farmland. All of a sudden, in the middle of a, a baby food shortage, the formula shortage, he's making artificial breast milk. The guy's a visionary. You know, he came up with the paperclip for, for Word. Microsoft Word, right? That annoying paperclip with the eyes. So yeah he's uh he was in on it and what I thought was really funny is when you talk about uh, you know there's all this talk about the vaccines being some sort of conspiracy uh, conspiracy apparatus to implant you with chips and things and everybody goes ah that's crazy talk <laughs> that's just nutty don't be a friggin Alex Jones nut job but Listen to this conversation at the World Economic Forum.
0: It is a basically biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that. Compliance. Uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in in. Uh, this
1: field. Whoa, compliance. <laughs> wow, they can put a little chip in there and you just, your enzymes will dissolve the pill and it can track you. Huh. I thought that was conspiracy theory. And see, they always sell it as something that's benign and innocent. You know, we can make sure that, you know, say you have a heart condition and your doctor wants to uh, make sure that you're taking your medication. And then if you if it comes out that you're not, well, then he can turn around And notify you and say, hey, um, you should be taking your medication Huh Well, those things can get weaponized pretty easily Kind of like the Patriot Act, kind of like the FISA court Just about everything we're seeing, the medical community, the CDC It can all be weaponized and used against you So some of that tech, maybe we shouldn't mess with it And it's funny, they're trying to whitewash this video clip a little bit in Slate, Slate actually has uh, the publication Slate. They have this article about this film. This pill tells your doctor if you didn't take it, but whom is it really for? Written by uh, Jane E. Who? Wonder if she's Chinese. Welcome to State of Mind, a new section from Slate. Here's the article. It says. There's a video that's becoming popular among conspiracy theorists pushing a false idea that COVID vaccines could be used to track people. In the footage, which comes from 2018, Pfizer CEO Albert Borea talks about a new digital pill on the market. Imagine the implications of that compliance, Bourla says. That is with its new technology. We'll be able to know whether people take their meds. Some conspiracy theorists are treating Borla's words as evidence that microchip tracking exists in medicine. In reality, the digital pills can't track patients the way conspiracy theorists posit, but they do bring up a host of ethics questions worth examining in their own right. (laughs) The The medication Borla is discussing in the video is Abilify My Sight, an update version of a blockbuster antipsychotic drug, Abilify which is often prescribed for depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. For a period, it was also commonly prescribed for potential treatment for autism before data suggested it wasn't effective. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved Abilify My Site back in 2017 as the first ever medication with an embedded chip. The medication's parent company, pharmaceutical giant Oxta, calls that the chip is an ingestible event marker or an IEM which sends a signal when it reacts with stomach acids that is signal picked up by a patch users wear which connects to bluetooth to a smartphone app that can also measure users steps and rest allows the users to record their self reported moods or reasons for not taking the medication abilify my site is a uh, it's marketed as a way to stay on top of how your treatment is going by recording when patients take their medication and sending their my site app data to their healthcare team or designated family and friends. If you've embraced social health tech, like sharing your workouts with your friends via or app, this might sound innocuous, but this sharing perhaps under pressure from healthcare providers or loved ones collides with a long history of, uh, paternalistic attitudes towards people with mental health issues. Now, here's the thing. If we haven't learned anything by now, Twitter, and we'll play some clips of Twitter here in a little bit because it kind of dovetails with, with some things happening in Ukraine and things happening with our disinformation board that's been put on pause. But if you look at social media sites, uh, if you look at... Uh, stripe and the online processing of payments GoFundMe. you look at all across the board even our political institutions things like this can be weaponized against you for nefarious purposes and if you haven't figured that out in the last two years then you're never going to get it because it, it's not a stretch to think somebody like an anthony fauci would put a little chip in the daggone vaccine it's not conspiracy theory. It's just human nature being war gamed out in real time. And so that also goes into biolabs, because the same can be said there. Oh, bio labs are great there. We try to get in front of pandemics and, and biological warfare by making vaccines that can stop it in these labs. Um, yeah. Unless one slips out of the lab and then we got a situation like we had in Wuhan. And apparently in Ukraine, there are a ton of these labs. In fact, Senator Barack Obama helped set one up. So how, do, how does Ukraine, BioLabs, everything with Ukraine, especially right now at the moment with Russia, how does that all play into the disinformation board? Hmm. We'll get to that on the other side of the break. Stick with us. This is Adrian Slade. Okay, before we get into (laughs) the disinformation board, Ukraine, uh, all the connections with that, I've got to take a second for some comic relief. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that brain trust, she, uh, she had a really interesting little rant about abortion and religion. God, I don't even know how this woman, you know, how she was elected. But let's listen to her, her brilliance on abortion.
0: For people who say, oh, but you're, you know, you're, you're harming a life. I believe this is life. Well, some religions don't. So how about that? Our Jewish brothers and, and sisters, they are able to have an abortion according to their faith. You know, there are so many faiths that do not have the same definition of life as fundamentalist christians and so we how what about their rights what about their right to exercise their faith it's ridiculous and it is it's it is theocratic it's authoritarian it is wrong
1: (laughs) just the stupidity it's just well, some faiths support female genital mutilation and some actually burn their babies in huge fires so that the, their God would give them a good harvest. I mean, that's about what she's saying. Well, some religions will let you have abortions. Are you insane? The deal here is, is it okay to murder? Um, Just because it's in a womb doesn't mean it's not a person, a human being. And... Yeah, there are some religions that, like, you know, feeding your baby to Moloch. Yeah, Baal, he, he, he has no problem with you killing your children, but the law does have a problem. And I I know when it comes down to law and, and Christian faith, my Christian faith supersedes the law. I still abide by the law because that's what our Christian founding, you know, that's what Christ wants of us, to obey the laws. But if they're... Are new laws meant to discriminate or impede my faith? Well, then that's a problem for that law, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna look at it from a different angle. But they're not. I, I don't even know where she was going with that. Uh, it's not as though uh, in Leviticus that they talked. You know, the Jews talked about aborting their kids. I don't even know where they aborting of the kids in the Jewish, uh, you know, faith or the Jewish. Uh, heritage, the Jewish I don't even know where that comes into play <laughs> Do you? I mean, so how about that? <laughs> Anyways Let's get into Nina Jenkowitz. So we had a disinformation board Put together under the Homeland Security Department Isn't that crazy? They decided they're going to put out The Department of Disinformation Or the Ministry of Truth Because it's very Orwellian and they've put that on hold now. And Nina Jankowitz, she decided she was going to step away and step down from it. Interesting timing because the moment they started talking about this disinforma- uh, disinformation panel was when Elon Musk started to purchase Twitter. Now, remember on my previous episode where I talked about Twitter was running the disinformation from inside the house. Well, guess what happened as soon as they put a pause on this disinformation board? Twitter is going to go back and start flagging tweets that have misinformation. So they're going to just revamp it in the the Twitter sphere, because right now Elon is looking at that social media platform and the valuation behind it, because it was presented to him as this robust platform, and now he's finding out because they base it on accounts – that a good percentage of those accounts are bots, fakes. And we found out that I wanted to say 50% of the followers of Joe Biden are all bots and fake accounts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it was this lady. Remember this this great uh, idea from our minister of truth? Um, and I am eligible for it because I'm
0: verified. But there are a lot of people who shouldn't be verified who aren't, you know, legit, in my opinion. I mean, they are real people, but they're not um, trustworthy. Anyway, so verified people can um, essentially start to edit Twitter the, the same sort of way that Wikipedia is. So they can add context to certain tweets. Um, so, just as an easy example, not from any political standpoint, if President Trump were still on Twitter and tweeted a claim about voter fraud, Someone could add context from one of the 60 lawsuits uh, that went through the court or uh, something that an election official in one of the states said, perhaps your own secretary of state uh, <laughs> and and his news conferences, something like that, adding context so that people... Um, have a fuller picture rather than just an individual claim on a tweet
1: yeah she wanted to be able to have blue check marks go in and and change tweets i keep saying quote tweet that's how you do it somebody has something that they think is misinformation or the wrong take you quote take it with, or quote tweet it with the right take but you know we have to go in and manipulate it and give good status to the blue check marks right well listen to this This is from The Nation. Meet the head of Biden's new Disinformation Governing Board. Last month, or late last month, the Biden administration publicly confirmed that a Disinformation Governing Board working group had been created within the Department of Homeland Security. The news prompted a flood of concern about the impact of such an Orwellian organ of America. But there's no need to engage in hypotheticals to understand the dangers. One has only to consider the past of Nina Jankowitz, head of the new disinformation board. This is probably the reason why she stepped down. Jankowitz's experience as a disinformation warrior includes her work with StopFake, a U.S. government-funded anti-disinformation organization founded in March 2014 and lauded as the model of how to combat Kremlin lies. Four years later, StopFake began aggressively whitewashing two Ukrainian neo-Nazi groups with a long track record of violence, including war crimes. You can't even make that up. Today, StopFake is an official Facebook fact-checking partner, which gives it power to censor news while Jankovic is America's disinformation czar. If the Biden administration is serious about combating threats such as white supremacy, perhaps it should first reflect... On the old Roman question, who will guard the guardians? This goes right back to the pill that we were talking about with the with the chip in it. Yes, the tech is good. Yes, it can be used for good things. But who's running it? Because who's running it is going to do nefarious things with it. Just like this disinformation board. StopFake was founded right after Ukraine's 2014 maiden uprising, ousted the country's president, and swept a new U.S.-backed government into power. We're going to get into that here in a minute. Formed by professors and students from Kiev, uh, the Kiev Mahala Journalism School, Stop Fake presented itself as a plucky grassroots, uh, wielding uh, hard facts and semi-permanent smirks as it shredded Russian propaganda. It gained notoriety by producing slick videos hosted by dynamic disinformation warriors debunking the Moscow lies of the day. Western reporters, checkbooks were paying attention. Shortly after its creation, StopFake began receiving funding from Western governments, including the National Endowment for Democracy, an organization mainly funded by the U.S. Congress and the British Embassy in Ukraine. It was supported by George Soros's Open Society Foundation. StopFake has run numerous episodes that cover Soros, but failed to disclose this potential conflict of interest, a violation of basic tenets of journalism. Among StopFake's hosts... Was Jankowitz, a graduate of Barn Mar and Georgetown School of Foreign Service, who was already part of the burgeoning disinformation warrior industry while in Ukraine as a Fulbright Clinton public policy fellow. On January 29, 2017, she hosted Stop Fake Episode 117, whose lead story dealt with perennial obsession of Russian propaganda, Ukraine's volunteer battalions. These are the dozens of paramilitaries formed in 2014 to fight against Russian-backed separatists in Ukraine's Dumbas region. From the beginning, Moscow focused on the violent and far-right nature of many of these units. At the time of Jankowitz's peace, the Russian press was bristling at Kiev's creation and creating of a new holiday to honor military volunteers. Moscow commenters depicted this as a collaboration of far-right butchers. Jankowitz offered an emphatically different take. Quote, volunteer battalions organized throughout the country, and they supported weak Ukrainian armed forces and prevented further Russian separatist encroachment. Today, the volunteer battalions are part of the official Ukrainian armed forces overseen by the defense and interior ministry, she said in her stop fake debunking segment. Quote, the volunteer movement in Ukraine extends far beyond military service. Volunteer groups are active in supporting Ukraine's military with food, clothing, machine or medicine and post Battle rehabilitation, as well as working actively with the nearly 2 million inter- internal refugees displaced by Ukraine. While Jankowicz was extolled, while she extolled the battalions on an on screen graphic displayed patches of four paramilitary groups Adar, Dnopro 1, Dombas, and Azov. All four have documented record of war crimes while the Azovs are outright neo-Nazi groups. <laughs> On September 10th, 2014, three years before Jankowitz's uh, warm portrayal of the volunteer battalions, Newsweek ran an article entitled Ukrainian Nationalist Volunteers Committing ISIS style war crimes. The story, which covered a report by Amnesty International, featured Adar, one of the battalions lauded in Jankowitz's recent segment. According to Amnesty, Adar fighters amassed a record of widespread abuses, ranging from kidnapping and torture to possible executions. Three months later, Amnesty issued an urgent report about ADAR in DinPro 1, another paramilitary featured in Jenkovitz segment, blocking food from eastern Ukrainian towns and villages. Using starvation of citizens as a method of war crime is a or warfare is a war crime, Amnesty stated. It's amazing. The D- Dumbas R- Battalion, the third paramilitary in Jankiewicz segment, is another unit notorious for torture, as documented by the UN, among others. The fourth group, Azov, this is one we've been hearing a lot about, not only has its own history of war crimes, but is avowedly a neo-Nazi. Indeed, the Azov patch shown in Jankiewicz video is stylized, After a wolf angel with the N in the sword, a popular white supremacist rune used by groups like the Aryan Nation. (laughs) Azov, which is a is now a premier hub of transnational white supremacy, has been exclusively covered by Western media outlets, including this writer in The Nation. Its nature is well known by the time of Jankowitz 2017 stop fake video. In a 2020 book, Jankowitz briefly acknowledged Azov as a far right group, but immediately pivoted, portraying them as victims of a Russian hoax. Unbelievable. These people want to be the ministers of truth, the, the arbiters of what is real and what is misinformation, and yet they're over there in Ukraine helping the neo-Nazis. They're out there calling us white supremacists. They're over there helping white supremacists. It's unbelievable. And when you get into the history, and I'm going to do an entire podcast on this, the history of the 2014 war in Ukraine, the revolution, you find out our State Department under Hillary Clinton was helping these groups, helping them organize, and they were doing so to overthrow the government. It wasn't some uprising of the citizenry. This was an American overthrow of the government, and they placed into power the person who would supersede or the person who preceded, uh, Zelensky. So the corruption was there. They were using Ukraine as a piggy bank. They were plundering the death out of it. I mean, look at Hunter Biden with his dealings with Ukraine. He and Devin Archer had, were head of Burisma, which is a Ukrainian energy company. They know nothing about Ukraine. Uh, they know nothing about energy, and they know nothing about the Ukrainian language but yet their CEO is getting 50,000 a month. It's crazy. And the fact that we sent these people over to fight the propaganda just shows they were aiding in the propaganda of the people that were overthrowing the government on behalf of the U S state department. It's, it's sickening and it's unbelievable, but this is what we're dealing with. This is why Ukraine is such a big deal. And when you go further deep into the the bowels of the of the methods that they used, they cite one of the successes of that revolution or that coup which is more likely the word that we should be using for it. They say this is amazing that it was mirrored for what we did in Kosovo. Now, you know, I was politically minded back in those days, but I wasn't really in-depth in foreign policy. So I still, to this day, couldn't tell you what the heck we were doing in Kosovo. It was some sort of humanitarian effort, right? Like it always is. But there was always something nefarious under the bottom of it. So Bosnia, you know, we ousted uh, Slobodan Milosevic. Uh, There's some really kind of shady things about that. Maybe we shouldn't have ousted him. I don't know. I'm thinking about doing a podcast, getting into the aspects of Kosovo, Bosnia, and that whole thing, because... The same tactics that were used there were used in Ukraine to try to, well, to attempt a coup. And so what are the, I mean, look what they're doing with Ukraine. It's a piggy bank for all of our politicians, families, and and nefarious organizations, open society, you know, Soros's organization. Um, there's trafficking going on through there. There's bio labs being set up they're running money through NGOs and you had Hunter and Devin Archer, Hunter Biden, our president's son and Devin Archer, the stepson to secretary of state, John Kerry. uh, He's now the energy czar, right? Um, they worked for Burisma, which was a Ukrainian energy company and they know nothing about energy and they can't even speak Ukrainian getting 50,000, you know, a month. and, One of them, I think Devin Archer, might have been in jail. One of them went to jail. I can't remember uh, one of the members of Burisma. But that's the thing. What was going on with Kosovo? I mean, we already know what happened in Afghanistan and in Iraq, right? (laughs) In fact, the guy who did it, Freudian slips in a speech where he's talking about Ukraine and Russia. He (laughs) outs himself with this slip up. Listen to this.
0: The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. (laughs) Iraq. Anyway. uh,
1: (laughs) 75. Uh. (laughs) He freaking outs himself right then and there. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So we're going to look into doing something on Kosovo fairly soon because I think it's going to lead up to the 2014 revolution in Ukraine. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker. Tune in, iHeart. Check us out on Anchor. You can donate. Be a part of the show. Anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. Call to be on the show, 1-929-GO-GO-USA. God bless. See you next time.